Coming up next on Contemplate. Career isn't a bad thing. Money by itself isn't a bad thing. Even activities and hobbies aren't a bad thing. But where do they stand next to faith in Christ? Nowhere. There is no comparison between God and everything else. If you listened to our previous episode, you know this is a powerful teaching that will encourage you in your faith and challenge you to live fully for Jesus. Here's Pastor David. That's the gospel. We are doing evil in every way, and we can be washed and sanctified and justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and the Spirit of our God. That's the message, okay? That's it. This is what we want for every one of you here, every one of you listening, everyone in Vancouver and Portland and the Northwest and the country and the world. What we want is for them to know Jesus. It's that there's some of them were this, all of them were this, and they can be washed clean. We're not here to say that you already are clean. For those who are not in Christ, we are here to say that you are a suppressor of the truth and unrighteousness. We're here to tell you that's exactly what you are. And the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against you. But the good news, the gospel, is that you can be saved. And like King David, a sinner, you can have God's righteousness. Like me, like Pastor David, a sinner, you can have God's righteousness. That's something. Later, In 1 Corinthians, after it talks about being washed and sanctified and justified by the name of the Lord Jesus and the Spirit of our God, it says this, 1 Corinthians 6.20, for you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. Why? Because you were bought at a price. It cost something. That grace was not free. It was not cheap. It cost God something. It is free to you. But there was a price that was paid. Jesus had to pay the price for us so that we could have his righteousness. And because of that, we ought to glorify God in our body and in our spirit. We glorify God through our obedience. We glorify him through our obedience. Not only that, but the scripture tells us that when we are obedient, we cause other people to glorify God. Listen to this. 1 Peter 2, 11 through 12. Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may, by your good works, which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. What? They're going to glorify God because even though they revile you, they're going to see your good works and have nothing that they can say other than glory to God. What a witness. We glorify God in our words and in our actions, and we even glorify God in our suffering as Jesus Christ did. He glorified himself. He glorified God in going to the cross. 1 Peter 4.16, Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian... Let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. We're to glorify God even in our suffering. Are you going to suffer? Yes. You are going to suffer, but you can glorify God in it. 
You can use that suffering to glorify God because all things work together for good for those who are the called according to his purpose, for those who love God, right? You can glorify God in your suffering. We have to live to glorify God, our Lord and King. Have to. Because those who do not will experience his righteous wrath. Part of that righteousness is judgment. And if we will not glorify him, we'll be turned over, confused, believing lies, and experiences wrath. Next part of verse 2 says, How long will you love worthlessness? In a Pew Research survey of the United States, the question was asked, What provides you with a sense of meaning? So people started listing things that gave them a sense of meaning. 20% of people mentioned spirituality and faith, one in five. 20%. More people mentioned career and money. And close to the same number as people who mentioned spirituality and faith mentioned activities and hobbies. People mentioned family the most, which is not a bad thing. Career isn't a bad thing. Money by itself isn't a bad thing. Even activities and hobbies aren't a bad thing. But where do they stand next to faith in Christ? Nowhere. There is no comparison between God and everything else. He is the highest priority. He's the highest priority. The world loves all kinds of things instead of God. And some of us love other things more than we show love to God. Some of us fall into this. Certainly I have. What does our time and our thoughts and our work and our money say about what we value, about who we glorify? It's not that hard. Look at your time. Look at what takes up most of your brain time. Look at what takes up most of your work time. Look at what takes up most of what comes out of your wallet. And you'll know what you value then you'll know who you're glorifying. We chase after entertainment, sex, money, career, fame, comfort, and many other things. When we get our eyes off of what we need to have them on, which is Jesus. But the world chases after all of those things and does not care for God at all. The world loves worthlessness because they believe lies. And sometimes we act like we love the world. Sometimes we do. Sometimes we, we act like we want to be friends with the world. We get caught up in that. Listen to what the Bible warns us about. James 4.4. 4. Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. That's very clear. You want to be a friend with the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. You know what enmity is, according to my Microsoft Word dictionary? It's the state or feeling of being actively opposed or hostile to someone or something. You do not want to have enmity with God. You do not want to be his enemy. You lose. There's no winning that battle. Why would we want to be his enemies? Why would we want to be opposed to him? He's the one who gives us everything that we have. Literally, these people who make themselves enemies of God are literally getting every breath that they get from him. Everything, every good thing, every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. They get nothing good from anywhere but God, and yet they want to be his enemies. They want to believe lies. That's why when we chase the worthlessness of the world rather than God, who is worthy of all honor and glory and praise, we find ourselves in a bad place. We must keep our priorities right. We must glorify God. 
Next, King David sings of these people and says, and seek falsehood, Selah. These people seek a lie. They seek a lie. Who goes after seeking a lie? We talk a lot about like we seek truth. Let's seek truth. These people are literally seeking a lie. That's what the world is doing. Why? They don't want the truth. They don't want the truth. The new belief, the new religion of the world is that nothing is true. Nothing is true. Except apparently the statement that nothing is true. Doesn't make a lot of sense, of course. They say we cannot know anything. And if nothing is true, then all opinions are equally valuable. Which is to say worthless because nothing is true. Nevertheless, they all hold the same value. So if we have an argument, I go, well, we can't really know anything. So your opinion is just as good as my opinion. What that means is I can continue to persist in my opinion rather than being confronted by truth. Because all of our opinions are just, hey, it's your truth. How many times have you seen that lately? I've got to speak my truth. No, you speak the truth or you're lying. That's it. There is the truth. That's it. But that's not the way the world wants to work. Your opinion is just as valuable as mine, just as valuable as hers, just as valuable as his. So we get left by the world with only one remaining value. That's the value that no one is allowed to judge anyone else's opinion. The problem is that that value also would just be an opinion that would be worth the same as the opinion that said the opposite. But they don't worry about that. But all this goes out the window as soon as they have an opinion that they think you should believe. Then their opinion isn't an opinion. It's a fact. Because they said so. And only a fool or an evil person would disagree with them, they say. We studied in Psalm 2 that they want to break the chains. They want to break the chains. They see God's love and his law, which shows us how to live eventually had to walk in the spirit. They see all that as chains and handcuffs, fetters, holding them back. They want to break those chains. So they have to become confused and deceived as to what morality is so that they can justify themselves in breaking those chains. According to the scripture we read earlier, they suppress the truth in unrighteousness. And according to this psalm, they seek falsehood. They seek a lie. They are seeking lies and falsehood and they are infecting the culture and even some in the church are caught up in it because it's easy to get caught up in. There's no mask that will protect you from this virus. The only thing that will is truth. Knowing truth, seeking truth, reading truth. That's the only thing that will keep you. That is the only vaccine against the virus the world is putting out there and the one it has been putting out there forever for as long as Satan said, to, from the time he said to Eve, did God really say? It's all been seeking lies and falsehoods. That's who the world is. Thank God for the Holy Spirit who will lead us into all truth because Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. Listen, John 16, 13. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. John 14, 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Do not be seduced by nonsense philosophies of the world, no matter how much they seem to make sense. They only make sense because you've suppressed the truth and unrighteousness sometimes, and you've become confused. They are lies. They are lies by people who seek lies. And they seek to destroy you. 
by serving themselves, the creature rather than the creator who is to be blessed forever. Amen. We serve a God of truth, a Christ who is the way, the truth, and the life. God's word is truth. Listen to what Jesus prays in John 17, 15 through 19. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. You want to know where you can always find truth? Right here in the scripture. God's word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they also may be sanctified by the truth. The world seeks falsehood. It seeks a lie so they can continue to do the things that it wants to do. I was the same way. I had to surrender to the lordship of Christ because Jesus is Lord and God's word is truth. And not do the things that I had formerly wanted to do and let him change my heart. But that's not what they want to do. They want to say, whatever I want to do, I should be able to do because I wouldn't want to do it unless it was something good. And they're lost. We who follow Jesus Christ and live according to his word, the word of God, seek truth, have found it, and follow truth. That's what we seek. That's what we follow. Period. But know, according to Psalm 4.3, this is the last verse, for today, but know that the Lord has set apart for himself him who is godly. The Lord will hear when I call to him. The Lord has set us apart and sealed us. John 15, 18 through 20. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I choose you, chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. They didn't keep his, they won't keep yours. They persecuted him, they will persecute you. If they love you, you got a problem. They hate the one we serve. If they love you, you've got a problem. If you're saying the things that tickle their ears, if what you say about truth and morality and obedience to Christ sounds just like what the world is saying, you've got a problem. Because when you speak the truth, they will hate you, as every one of us hated it before the Holy Spirit drew us. As every one of us hated it before we were saved. And I've learned to love it. David talks about the law. Mm, it's just like honey. It's just like, mm, I want more. I eat it up. Because it's so good. But prior to being saved, I didn't think any of that. I didn't hunger and thirst for righteousness. I hunger and thirsted for sin, for self-gratification. But he saved us. He saved us. We've been set apart. We've been made godly by his righteousness, not by our own, not of works, lest anyone would boast. We will not love worthlessness. We will not seek lies and falsehoods. We'll fight them. The world isn't angry with you because of you. The world is against God. If soldiers of the king are attacked, people attack soldiers of the king because they want to attack the king. Because soldiers act under the authority of the king and for the purpose of the king. We have been sealed by the Holy Spirit for the work God has given us, the great commission of Jesus Christ to us, to his church, his body. 
We are his church. We're working for the king. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. It's on the wall out there, but I love reading it. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. If you're wondering what to do when you get up tomorrow, this is it. Jesus told you what to do. You've got your marching orders in everything that you do, in your work, in your life, in your marriage, at school, in your thoughts, in your study of the word. It's all this. You've been authorized, set apart, sealed to do this. It's what gets us up in the morning. It's the blessing that we have when we go to sleep at night. I am on a mission. Men and women who follow Christ, you are soldiers in the shield wall, walking forward in a church to do God's mission. And it is a great mission because you're giving these people the same relief that you had when God saved you. When we follow Jesus Christ under his authority and for our God's purposes, enemies will attack. They will. But you, godly men and women, who have God's righteousness, his righteousness, are soldiers of the King of Kings. He will hear you when you call to him. Do you think that Jesus gave us an impossible great commission, an impossible mission? Does he do that? No, never. What he has purposed, he will always do. If you have been called, you have been equipped, and you will be successful because his name is glorious. Listen, if this is you, if you're struggling with this, listen to me. Stop feeling inadequate. Stop feeling like you don't know where you fit in. Stop feeling like you don't know what you should do. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. You want to do the great commission? You want to follow Christ? You want to serve him? You want to serve truth? You want to glorify him? He's not going to leave you without knowing what to do. He will give you everything you need to be successful for him, through him, because of him, because you have his righteousness. Do not feel inadequate. Do not worry. You serve the king of kings. You're servants of the Lord. Listen to this, Isaiah 54, 17. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. None, none. And every tongue which rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and their righteousness is for me, says the Lord. You have a heritage. A heritage that says, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Well, sounds like you don't have a lot to worry about. Ultimately, to those things that are eternal, nothing will prosper against you. God will always work all things together for good, for those who love him, for those who are the called according to his purpose, period. And every tongue which rises against you in judgment, and there will be those you shall condemn. There is a time when this, is, this time is over. And you and I, who are in Christ, seated with him in the heavenly places, will experience the perfection where he takes his glory and glorifies your body and you're resurrected. And that time will come when those who have spoken against you and judged you, they will be judged and they will be condemned. Do not worry about what's happening in this moment. Rather, pray for those who are judging you. Rather, beg with the Lord for their lives that they might be made spiritually alive as you have been.
Live your life for this commission to see people know Jesus. That's what we do. That's what we care about. That's who we are as his church. All praise and all glory be to God alone. There really is a great big world out there that needs Jesus. Let's all get a lot more serious about helping them find life. As always, if you have any questions or comments about today's lesson, or if we can introduce you to Jesus, please call us at 360-885-9000, or send us an email, info at axchurchnw.org. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll join us next time for more great Bible teaching with Pastor David Robinson here on Contemplate. Contemplate.